Our light shines so that everyone will praise our Heavenly Father. Let's bow our heads in a moment of prayer. God, I thank you for today. I thank you for this moment. Lord, as we come transition from this beautiful moment of worship, I think about the lyrics of that song, that you are making all things work together for my good. I don't know how you do it. I can't figure it out. It's beyond me. It's not my job to do that. My job is to have faith in you. Your job is to make those things work together for my good. So I believe you for that, and I thank you for that, God. And as you're working things for my good, Lord, that we would be the light of the world, that we would let our light shine so this world will not see us, but so that they will see you, and you will get the glory from our lives. You'll get the glory out of our mess. You'll get the glory out of our situation. As our light shines bright, Lord, that people will see you. And God's people said, amen, so be it. One more time, give God a praise in this house today. Are you glad to be in the house of the Lord today? Amen. You made it out on Labor Day weekend. How many got their donuts this morning? Did you get a donut? Oh, man, bless the Lord. God invented donuts. Don't even, don't even hate a donut. God invented donuts. I believe when we get to heaven, we're going to eat donuts. I don't know that. I'm making that up. That is not scriptural. If it were, that would actually be really cool, but, but it's not. It's not found. Although, for what it's worth, manna translated in Hebrew means small round thing. So just, just saying, maybe there's a correlation there. Maybe there's not. Maybe I'm connecting dots that aren't there. Either way, I like to think there's some kind of small round thing that we call a donut in heaven. But listen, seriously, there's donuts out there for you when you leave. Leave with your belly full of God and also lots of sugar in your system. Amen. It's Sunday. Amen. You get to rest today. That'll help you in your nap. That is for sure. Well, we are just to kind of make sure that we're all on the same page as we're moving forward out of this month. We're transitioning into a new month. Can you believe it is September already? What? I'm, I'm being serious. You know, I, I'm not trying to be facetious or I don't have a joke planned up for you. I'm, I'm just thinking out loud about that. It's, it's already September and school has started and our kids are back to school and teachers are back teaching and, and parents have maybe some kind of more predictability in your schedule now that kids are back at school. And uh, it's September already. Before we know it, it's going to be Christmas and New Year and we'll be doing all this all over again. That time is flying by really, really quick, isn't it? I mean, it's just going, 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 going. You wake up, and before you know it, it's tomorrow. Anyway, but man, it is, it's, it's already, we're just, we're almost into a whole new month. And, and so our church, if you've been fellowshipping with us from the beginning of the year, we, uh, we had four main focuses that we wanted to teach our, our congregation on, bring everybody together on the same page uh, throughout this year. We had four main emphases of the word healthy that we were looking to promote looking to push and certainly strengthen uh, the body of Christ here at CRC with. And that is simply as we launched this, uh, the beginning of this year, we launched a healthy initiative by physical health. And uh, when we did our 21-day fast, like we do at the beginning of every year, as we did our 21-day fast, we challenged you in many areas to become healthy for you physically. What does that look like? And we challenge you in different ways, and we had, uh, we had cooks come in and show us how to cook healthy with 
different types of cooking oils and different ways to cook and how to make some nice treats and and uh, and still eat healthy. And we went through that and we went through a, talking about our, our mental health. What, what does that look like? We figured out that half of us are crazy. Um, you know, and then we, we're, we're wrapping up now talking about our spiritual health. So in September, this is be our last month talking about spiritual health. And then when we come into October, November, December, the last quarter of this month, we'll be talking about social health. And then we'll be talking about what it looks like to be socially healthy. And we'll have some fun with social media and different things like that. I say all of that because as we're making transitions in life and as a church, to, if you can imagine this church being like one big book, I need all of us to turn the page at the same time together. Does that make sense? So sometimes it's important for us to take a moment just to reflect where we've been, kind of where we've come this far this year. So many of you at the beginning of the year, I truly believe, made a heartfelt declaration, including myself, when we all declared together that Pastor Matt, we said it out loud, I want 2014 to be different than 2015. Now, if you're here today and you were fellowshipping with us at the beginning of the year, you know what a challenge it has been every day of your life that you've stepped out of bed in the morning and said, today is going to be better than the day before. This year, 2014, things will start changing for me. Have you ever noticed the moment when you really start to change, the moment when you really start to push, the moment you grit your teeth and you put your 100% effort into it, that that is when your greatest opposition comes who am I talking to this morning? Man, the moment you decide and you declare out loud and you, you kind of cast it out there, this year will be different than last year. Man, 2014 is going to be better than 2013. And it's like every demon in hell heard what you said. And they scrambled. It seems like they scrambled right to your house, didn't it? Anybody else fighting the same devil I've been fighting? Yeah. But man, I, I just want to take us back just to that moment of worship we had earlier that Jesus told his disciples, in this world, you will have some troubles. In this world, you will be persecuted. In this world, you'll have to shake some haters off. See, rap artists think they've invented that saying, shake the haters off. Jesus says, if you go into a town, they don't receive your word, shake the dust from your feet. Jesus made it popular. He was shaking off haters on the cross. You know what I'm saying? But in this world, you're going to have some tough times. But our Lord says, take heart, for I have overcome the world. Amen. Give God a praise in this place. He says, take heart, for I have, I have overcome the world. Our Lord has overcome the world. Matthew chapter 5 tells us that we are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. Wow. How beautiful, how powerful, how amazing that is to think that the Lord is saying that each and every one of us is like a city. We're like a light, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one, it's crazy, no one goes into a room, turns on the light, and immediately throws a drape over the light. Crazy people do that. That's not what we do. He's saying you don't light a candle you don't turn on the light switch and then go try to cover up the light. You turn on the light switch to dispel the darkness, right? The light dispels the darkness. And he says that we're like that, that we're like this light, like this city put up on a hill. 
put up on the top of a mountain so that when we light up, the world sees us. And the closer we get to God, the closer we get to the throne, the less our light shines and the more his light shines in us. I don't know about you, but I guess I have a question for all of us today. Whose light is shining brighter, yours or Jesus? I think it's a relevant question, a fair question, a hard question, yes, but a fair question I think we all need to ask ourselves. When, when the light is shining, whose light is shining brighter? Is it my light or is it the light of Jesus? Now, imagine this. Imagine waking up tomorrow and there being no sun. You know, we take for granted that when we go to bed at night, the moon rises and just we just assume that in the morning the sun is going to rise tomorrow. I believe that it will. I believe that God's not going to take a day off and his alarm's not going to go off and he's not going to forget to forget it. He's not going to hit his snooze button in heaven and forget to make the sun pop up on the other side of the earth tomorrow. I just go to bed at night and when I wake up in the morning, some of us get up before the sun or God, but we're up and the sun comes up and peaks over the horizon. There's a, but can you imagine if we woke up tomorrow and there was no sun? That would be weird. Man, we'd be talking about the apocalypse, uh, all kinds of things. We, global warming finally did it. We blew up the sun. Whatever. You know, everybody would have a reason for why the sun didn't come up. And, but just can you imagine it? We take for granted the brightness and the illumination of the sun. Now, for those of us in Texas, I don't know that we take it for granted. We feel the effects of the sun here in Texas, don't we? And like we treat real Texans treat Texas like it's a whole other part of the world. You know, people who aren't from around here, uh, you're not from around here, are you, boy? <laughs> but I know with a lot of military in our church, you know, we don't have a, some aren't necessarily native Texan. You weren't born in Texas. You're not. You consider yourself a Texan, and we welcome you to our country, yes, but um, <laughs> only real Texans get that joke. So, anyway, but, you know, in Texas, it gets hot here, doesn't it? Yeah. How many know it gets hot here? I mean, stuff that scientists say can't melt, they bring it to Texas, and it melts. They forget to test cars here. They put it through their testing systems, but, man, they bring it here. Stuff goes haywire. It goes crazy. Listen, it's so hot in Texas, the trees are whistling for the dogs. It's so hot in Texas, my thermometer goes to, are you kidding me? It's so hot in Texas, I saw a chicken lay, lay a fried egg. It is hot in Texas. The sun it's hot. It's bright. And I was going to bring with me, I have three different pairs of sunglasses that are ranked in order of my favorite. My favorite pair of sunglasses is a pair of Oakleys that I found running on the road one day. And it was like, God was like, random sunglass blessing. And I found them, picked them up, put them on, and I've loved them, and I've had them ever since. The nose piece is kind of wearing off, and I've, I've got a put some super glue on it and fix it back up. But I love those. I have another pair of Oakleys that a friend gave me. Um, I thought he was blessing me with this really cool pair. I know it really happened. They're all scratched up on the lenses. And he's like, hey, man, you want a pair of Oakleys? These are really cool. I was like, yeah, wait a second. Can't see it. You know what I mean? It's like a, 
like Scarface had his way with my sunglasses here. And then, and then really my, my real favorite pair of sunglasses is gas station sunglasses. How many know what I'm talking about? You know, the sunglasses you buy at gas stations. That's literally what I'm saying, gas station sunglasses. For me, if I were to actually go buy a pair of uh, Ray-Bans or Tommy Bahamas or uh, Oakley's or whatever else that's out there that's really expensive sunglasses, without fail, they'll fall off my head and I'll run over them with my lawnmower or I'll leave them on the top of my car. I did that the night of worship. I set my shoes on top of my car and I drove home. One, one pair, one of them made it home. Gospel truth. I, and the other one is on 35 somewhere. <laughs> Why I took my shoes off, that's a whole separate story we can't even get to right now. But at any rate, how many have, raise your hand, you have a favorite pair of sunglasses? Come on, wave your hand in the air like you just don't care. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, I mean, they fit you right, they feel right. And, and in Texas, we really need those sunglasses, man. I mean, like, I don't know what it is about, about living here in God's country, but it's like the sun shines brighter here. It shines hot, hotter here. It's, it just is what it is. It's, it's bright, and the sun is bright. And if you, if you were to try to look at it with your naked eye, it'd be like, my eyeballs are burning, you know. Um, and so we need sunglasses just because my future is so bright. You know, i got to wear shades. It's like those grew up in the 80s will know what that means, but... And so I need sunglasses because the sun is so bright. When I think about that, even as funny as that may be, I wonder if the people in the world, if the church is shining so bright that it draws their attention. But, if, but, but my recent, I think my recent um, approximation of the church, and not just our church, but of the church in general, of the Americanized church, is that we're, we live in such a bubble. And, and this is not a knock on us. It's just, just where we are. America, we live in a bubble. We just do. How many would maybe agree with me on that? And what I mean by that, because I'm getting you to agree to something, you really don't know what I'm trying to get you to agree to. But what I mean by that is when we watch things on the news in other parts of the world, and we see some of these horrific stuff going on, like people literally driven from their homes and are the term refugee. I mean, we don't. We can't understand what that means. And, and, and a whole, maybe another army coming in and driving you out of your home or uh, because of disasters and your economy is not able to or your government's not able to uh, help you or assist you. And so the infrastructure is not there like we have. We just in America, we're just in a bubble. The Americanized church is in a bubble. We, we are. Now, whether the bubble's going to break or not, I don't know. That's, that's up to God's business. We're going to keep doing what we're called to do. Amen? Whether the bubble breaks or not. But... But here, my heart, church, is that Jesus is telling us, he is saying, listen, you are the light of the world. If you don't shine, the darkness wins. That's the whole idea here. He's saying, you're the light. Obviously, Jesus is the ultimate light of the world, but he's not here on this planet. He's in heaven. The Bible declares that he left earth and sits at the right hand of the Father. He is making a home for us. He's preparing a home for us. So Jesus is in heaven. He left us here on this earth. When we are saved or when we're converted, wherever we prayed that prayer at an altar or in your car, or you got saved in your shower or at work or at a kid's camp or youth camp, wherever that happened, whenever that moment happened was, you weren't zapped to heaven, were you? 
You got up from the altar. You got out of your shower. You, if you were at a kid's camp, a youth camp, wherever you got saved, your conversion, he left you here. Why? Because all of a sudden, another light switch was turned on. And Jesus says, the more switches I can get to turn on, the brighter it will be. The brighter it is, the easier it is to see. The easier it is to see, less people will be stumbling in the dark. I'm connecting these dots for his church because there are people in your world who are stumbling every day because of the darkness that is around them. They can't see. God has brought you here today, sent me all the way from Salado, Texas, for us to meet in the middle of this word. And that simply is when it's your time to shine, make the world go blind. Amen. I mean, shine so bright. I think we should be shining so bright that the devil's like, you know, stop, turn the light off. You know, when, when, when you've been asleep all night, and especially in college days, I can remember this. If you, if you went to bed before, before your, your dorm mate, before your, your roommate, and he comes in and he turns on the lights, you're just like, ah. you know. If you have teenage kids and they sleep till noon and you open up the blinds, they're like vampires. You know, like, we need to be shining so bright that the world sees us, that they see our good works. And the Bible says that when we do that, that it brings glory to God. And I don't know about you, where you are in your life, what season of your life you're in, but I know that my prayer this morning is that my light would shine so bright that it brings glory to God, not glory to me. I don't care if my name is ever on a sign. I'm going to tell you what, we have worked very hard. I have been so intentional. You've got to even look to find my name on our website because I don't want this to be about me. If I were to die today, this church will move on. It will not be because of me that this church survived. Are you with me today, church? I'm glad I get to play a part in it, but I'm not the head of this thing, baby. It's Jesus Christ. I get to play a part. So I don't put my name on the sign. I don't want it out there. I don't want my name on the bulletin. It's not about me. It's about Jesus Christ. Now, now you say, oh, Pastor Matt, that's, 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 that, that's that humility you use where, like, oh, I want to be so humble right now. <clears throat> but look at me. No, I'm not doing that. I'm being truthful with you. That I want my light to shine, that people will see my light, and they'll glorify God in heaven. They'll see our good works, and they'll bring glory to God. How many want their lights to shine like that? How many believe that your light can shine like that today? Amen? Give God praise in his house today. In Livermore, California, actually at a fire station, a firehouse, there is a light bulb there that has been burning 112 years. You can look this up, Google it later, Livermore, California, light bulb, famous light bulb, it'll come up. And it's been burning for 112 years in this fire station. And they've actually, not making this up, I was showing it to Roxy, I was showing it, she was asking what it would be, she's serving in kids' church, my daughter, and... Um, she was asking about what I'm teaching on today, so I was going over some of my stuff with her, and I pulled up this website, and they actually have a live webcam that you can just watch this light bulb stay on. And I thought about that, and I was like, could, could you imagine if you were the guy or the person that accidentally hit it and broke it or something? Like, 
that's what went through my mind. Like, I wouldn't even go near it. I would just, like, if I worked there, I'd be like, I'm not even going on that side because I would never want to be known as that guy. You know. But there's this light bulb that has been, been burnt. It's been burning for 112 years. And you have to read the website. They've had, they've had scientists, like, uh, come in and study this light bulb, why it's been able to burn this long. And, and, and 112 years ago, they stuck it in, and they turned it on, wired it up, and it's been burning ever since. And they've got this live webcam, and, and they, they have the city of Livermore. I'm not making this up. They have an official birthday for this light bulb, and it just happened actually recently. And uh, they celebrate this light bulb. But, but I say all that because, because when, when a real light shines, there's something amazing about it. In 112 years, this light bulb has made it. I go to Home Depot, mine are out in a day or two. Now, but now they've got all these LED bulbs, right? And they've got, uh, you know, the different kinds of bulbs. And apparently they'll, they'll burn for like 60-something years now, whatever it is. And in life, they'll use le- less electricity or whatever it is. But, but there's something amazing that when, when this light, it just, when there's a purity about, about a light bulb, like this light bulb, there's it's something simple about it. It's just a light bulb, but it's been burning so long, it's outlived people, and people are drawn to this light. Why? Because it's something fascinating about it, isn't it? That just the story to think about it. I mean, when I, when I first heard about it, I was like, I got to look this up. I got to see for myself. And I found myself watching this webcam. And every now and again, a fireman would walk by or somebody would walk by with a big old mustache, too. And I just found myself just kind of raptured up just watching this bulb burn. It's a light bulb. It's something, it doesn't do it. It doesn't dance. It doesn't sing. It just burns. And it's just on. And it's predictable. And it's steady. And they can count on it. I think we need to be like this light bulb in Livermore, California. There's nothing sexy about it. There's nothing spectacular about it. It's just a light bulb doing what a light bulb does. It just is on. And when you burn bright, when you burn with purity, people will come to watch your light. People will come and will be drawn to you when your light shines with purity. When you really live your life for God, when your light teenager is burning in school, trust me, other people will be drawn to your light. The darkness can't stand the light, can it? And hasn't the devil done everything in his power even this year or this month or maybe this week to take your light and he's done his best to break it? He's done his best to turn your light down because you have a beautiful light that God wants to shine bright and he's done his best so that your light won't shine. But somehow you survive day after day. Week after week, your bulb is still burning. He's tried to cover it up. He's tried to distinguish and give God praise. But your light is still burning. Your light is still burning. John chapter 1, verses 4 through 9, it says, The Word gave life to everything that was created. And His life, and His life, and His life, and His life. Whose life? His life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. I love that part. And the darkness can never extinguish it. God sent a man named John the Baptist to tell about the light so that everyone might believe because of his testimony. John himself was not the light. He was simply a witness to tell about the light, the one who is the true light, 
the one who gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. Genesis chapter 1, verses 3 and 5. Then God said what? Let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was what? It was good. And then he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness night. It is interesting to me that the first act of creation was God creating light. Let there be light. There's the world. It's, it's empty. It's void without, without light, without form. It's void. It says that darkness hovered over the faces of, uh, uh, excuse me, darkness in the deep of the water. God's spirit hovered over the faces of the water. And he said, let there be light. And there was light. And he, cr- he called the light good. Listen, there is light in you. I don't care what you've done. I don't care where you've been, who you are, what's on your resume, how bad you think you are. If you're here today, I believe there's still, even if it's just a sliver of light, that there's still light in you. And God says that he called the light good. And you're saying, Pastor Matt, how can there be any good in me? I'm not the one to answer that question. Only God is. But he says he called the light good. And if there's light in you, there's still some good in you. And God is telling you today to stop hanging on to your excuses, to stop hanging on to your good intentions, to stop hanging on to the religion of your parents or what you grew up in. That's not what is good. Your good works aren't good. Even your good works, Paul says, are as filthy rags. The only good in you is the Jesus that is in you. And that is the light that we need to let shine. Amen? When we let that light shine, our world will see the Jesus that you and I celebrate every Sunday. Amen? He is the light of the world. He is the only hope. He is the only way to God the Father. Give God a praise in this place. Isaiah 118, I want to close with this. It says, come now, let's settle this, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, I will make them as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, I will make them as white as wool. There is, there is a fear for everything. The fear of the dark is nyctophobia. Nyctophobia, fear of the dark. I think a lot of kids grow up with the fear of the dark. You know, dad and mom, don't, don't, don't turn the light off. Leave the lights on. I, I don't want to, I'm afraid of the dark. I don't, I, I don't want to, uh, I, I don't want to, uh, you know, go to sleep without, without a light on. I need a night light. Did you ever, parents or grandparents, did you have a kid or a grandkid like that? They need a night light. Maybe your dad or mom in here, you need a night light. It's okay. No shame in that game. You, you know, when you get older, you need more light. You be, you're tripping over all kinds of stuff. We've got to, man. Our, our, we have booby traps in our house. Our, our son leaves stuff everywhere. And so you better have a light at night. You're walking around injured. Yeah, at night, man, I turn the switches on. You hear a noise or something. All of a sudden, every light in the house on. I remember the first time John and I were home alone. Not, you know, big brother doesn't, is going to scare his little brother. So, boy, man, you know, looking for him. Can't find him. I turn. I'm thinking the rapture, rapture's happened. God, you took him and left me. Every light in the house comes on. Why? 
because light dispels darkness. Light dispels darkness. Listen to me, church. If there's darkness in your light, in your life, start turning the light on. Start turning the light of Jesus on in your life. Let your light shine so that people may see your good works and glorify your God that is in heaven. Amen. Stand to your feet all across this place. We're going to go right back into this moment of worship. As they begin to sing and play, I just want to encourage you as you're singing out these, these words, as he makes all things work together for our good, that he is going to take those things in your life. He's going to work them for your good. Your light is going to shine brighter than it ever has before. Sing it with us today. Sing it out with us. You make all things. Come on, lift your voice. Sing it out. You make all things. Do you believe that today? Lord, you make all things. thank you, Jesus. We thank you for this moment, God. As our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Lord, we thank you for who you are and what you've done, certainly for what you're about to do. If you're here today and we pray this prayer every Sunday, we say, Pastor Matt, if I were to leave this planet today, I'm not sure that heaven would be my home. And I want to know for certain 
that heaven would be my home. I want to know that if this is my last day on this planet, that heaven would be my home. Maybe you've never confessed Jesus Christ as Lord of your life. Maybe you did it when you were a kid and you found your way to crossroads for the first time today and something I've said or God has spoken your heart has touched you and you want to make things right with God, if you would just raise your hand right where you're at. Thank you, sir. Anyone else? Yes, anyone else? Be quick, be quick, be quick. I want to make things right. I want to know that heaven is my home. Amen. I want everyone to say this prayer after me. Heavenly Father, I confess my sins to you. I believe that you died for me. And that in three days, you rose from the grave. Thank you for giving your life for me. I believe it in Jesus' name. Amen. So be it. Let's say, you make all things. Sing it with us. You make all things work together for my good.